Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Now we're going to do something just a teeny bit different. Don't go ahead and sit down yet. Before we jump in, I want to actually read God's word aloud and have us stand for the reading of God's word. And that may seem a little bit silly for some, and that's totally okay. But we believe that God's word is truth and it's power. God's word says about God's word that it is inspired by God, that it is living and active. And so this morning, as we read it, I want the Lord I want the Lord to be saying this to us. He is saying it to us, but I want to I want to take a posture of our bodies to receive it from him. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah. All right, so if you have your Bible, you can open it to 1 Timothy 6. Otherwise, I'm just going to read it to you. 1 Timothy 6, it says in starting in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have even wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And then Paul says to Timothy, but you, man of God, and he's, God is saying to us today, you, man and woman of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then he goes on to say, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it is living and active and we thank you that it comes and it pierces our soul and it shows us where we're submitted to you and where we're totally not submitted to you. And so today, God, as 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 you use me as a vessel, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just flow through me, that I would get out of the way, that it would be nothing that I say, but it would only be by the Holy Spirit's power that you break through with your word to change the hearts and the lives of the hearers here today and anytime in the future, Jesus, because your word is truth. Your word is truth. Use it this morning, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to drink a little water. So I was uh, scrolling on my phone the other day through Instagram 
And there's this one account that I follow, and her name, it's called Go Clean Co. And it's this lady up in Alberta, Canada. And back in 2019, man, she just had this little tiny cleaning company and had probably like 100 followers from her neighborhood. But, you know, then COVID hit and everybody was stuck at home and everybody was growing more and more discontent with the state of their home and the cleanliness of their home. And some bigger people began to share some of the tips and tricks that she had on Go Clean Co. And um, so she now has like 2 million followers. It's just gotten huge. And she's literally just this one woman with like 10 employees of a cleaning company. It's kind of crazy. But anyway, as I'm following her one day, because I'm also growing discontent with the status of my home and the cleanliness of my home and, you know, being stuck at home in that time during COVID, um, I'm watching some of the things she says and she proceeds to, she's, this is a sponsored ad, mind you, okay, sponsored ad. She's got this area rug in her home and she grabs blackberries and puts the blackberries on the ground and begins to grind it into the rug. And I'm like, girl, you are mad. Like, this is just insane. You don't put blackberry on a rug. And she proceeds to then take spaghetti and grind it into the rug. And then she takes wine and pours it in there. And she's like, I'm going to leave this for a day. I'm like, you're nuts. What are you doing? But then the next day, she actually, you can rip up this rug and throw it in the washing machine. And it came out of the washing machine. There was nothing on this thing. And I was like, this is a miracle rug. I need this rug. Okay, I have four kids and my sweet uh, 17-month daughter, Louise, has a knack for almost every morning grabbing my coffee cup off of the side table and pouring it on my white rug. And I'm like, Brandon, I need a ruggable. I need this rug that Sarah at Go Clinko is talking about because my rug is no longer sufficient. I need a rug that I can just throw in the washing machine, Right. Well, okay, so that seems kind of silly, but this is what we are encountering every day, right? You're scrolling through Facebook and there's an ad. You're listening to Spotify and there's an ad. You're on YouTube, which my husband now calls AdTube because every three minutes there's another advertisement that pops up. We are constantly bombarded, even when you're just driving down the highway. I mean, how many signs do you see? You need this, and your life isn't good enough without that, and oh my goodness, this is the solution to all your problems, right? We are constantly bombarded with messages telling us that we are not enough, that the things we have are not enough, that our lives are not enough. Even colleges got on it and they're like, you need more knowledge. Come to my college, right? And so they have all this stuff and, and we, are, we are constantly hit with this message of be discontent. There's just something on the other side that'll solve all your problems and, and then you'll be content. But how many of us know discontentment is a trap? It's a trap because on the other side of the thing that you thought would solve all your problems there's another thing that's going to solve all your problems, right? And as a people, we are constantly grasping for the next thing, hoping that something is going to be the solution, right? And so today, we're going to go to God's word. We're going to listen to Paul. Now, some of us, we may be tempted with discontentment, maybe even coming this week with Thanksgiving. If you're having family either in your home or you're going somewhere else, there's like a, I want to go, but I don't want to go. And I want the, you know, dinner to be perfect and all put together. But, you know, you, you, you might get like the turkey to come out exactly the way that you want it, but maybe your cranberry sauce burns. 
There's just always something, right, that, that can cause us to, to choose discontentment, to tempt us toward discontentment. Maybe for you, it's that, this, that there's like a next season. Like, if I just finish this project, then maybe my boss will notice me. And then if he notices me, maybe then I'll get the promotion. And then if I get the promotion, then maybe I get the pay raise. And once I get the pay raise, then maybe I get the better car. And once I get the better car, then maybe I can buy a better house. And maybe when I get buyer, you know, like we just keep going, right? That discontentment, it pulls us and it draws us farther and farther, farther for this trying to grasp what? Like what comes next? So today, we have this tension though, right? Because it's not, a, it's not wrong to want to do a good job and it's not wrong to want to get a raise and it's not wrong to want a cool car and it's not wrong to have a nice house. None of those things are wrong. But where it switches is where our hearts begin to decide, this is what I have to have. This is what I need to have life be okay. When it becomes an idol, where it becomes something that we are seeking instead of seeking the face of God and saying, God, whatever you've given me today, that's good. We're tempted to push and push and push. So we're, we're going to look at Paul. Now, Paul is, I'm sure many of you know already, he's, he's an apostle. He has this massive conversion. And so he begins to tell all these people about what he went through with, with Jesus. And all along, people, he was like encountering all kinds of hardship, one after another, one after another. And he's got this protege, Timothy, and he's like, Timothy, listen, I can tell you contentment is a good thing, and I can tell you why. So we're going to lean into what Paul is telling Timothy. And essentially, he's saying, listen, Timothy, there is an inner heart of rest that is the key to enjoying the life that is truly life a life that is truly life. There's an internal heart set, a deeper cistern of satisfaction that's accessible to us when we choose contentment over striving for personal gratification, right? So what did Paul say to Timothy? He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So Paul is instructing Timothy, listen, buddy, the men that are around you in in the region that you're at, they are, they're foolishly thinking that if I just if I just pursue uh, this righteous um, religiosity, then God's just instantly going to give me the money that I need. And, and, and what, he's, what Paul is cautioning Timothy is, God, yes, absolutely will supply your needs because that's who he is. He loves you as his child and he wants to supply your needs. But he's telling him, listen, Timothy, add contentment to it all. Add contentment to the pursuit of godliness. Godliness doesn't automatically mean financial gain. You may have heard before like the prosperity gospel that when you believe in Jesus, he's going to give you a Lexus and a Rolex and you're going to be riding in style. But no, listen, Jesus also says in this world, you're going to have trouble. It doesn't automatically mean that you're going to have all of the money in the world. It doesn't mean that you're going to have all of the perfect circumstances, but it means that you're going to have the perfect God with you in the middle of it, right? Paul is admonishing Timothy. He's, he's saying, listen, you can't take it with you. When you were born, 
Did you have anything? No, you came out naked, and when you die, have you ever seen a hearse follow, or you've probably seen a hearse. You've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse, right? And even the ancient Egyptians, they thought this is what it was. Like, I will fill my storehouse with all of my things, but thousands of years later, we can go into those pyramids and we see all your stuff is left, and there's just bones from you. Like, you can't take it with you. Paul's saying to Timothy, listen, like, hey, um, you got nothing. How about let's be content with the food and clothes that you have on your back, right? Because searching for riches, it's never going to satisfy. In Ecclesiastes 4, 7, it says that there's this man, and he's all alone, and he had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. He just kept trying to collect. He kept trying to amass his riches. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And it, he said, why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? I'm just striving to get all of this stuff, but I've got some stuff. Why don't I just enjoy the stuff that I have? Have you ever been there? Recently, Brandon and I um, were super blessed. We got to take three weeks off, and we actually took a trip to Atlanta and went to this worship pastor, worship leader conference up in the foothills of um, Georgia, and it was absolutely gorgeous. But I got there and I was like, okay, what's next? Like, this is awesome. What's next? What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? Uh, This is great. What's the next session going to be about? And what's this? And the Lord was like, Erica, you're here. Just breathe. I mean, you've been looking forward to this for like a month and a half. How about you just enjoy right now, right? How many of you have done that? Like you go on vacation and you're in the middle of the vacation, but you just can't slow down enough to enjoy the vacation that you're on. Discontentment deprives us of enjoying what we already have today. Paul tells him, like, listen, there's a, there's a temptation and then a trap. And what is a trap? A trap is meant to ensnare something and hold it. Get it stuck. You cannot get away. And that's what discontentment does. It grabs you and it pulls you down. And then what does he say next? It causes ruin and destruction. That love of money, that desire to get the next thing, that desire to be in the next season, it it causes ruin and destruction because you're not just satisfied with what you have today. How many of you have heard of the man Howard Hughes? He was alive in the early 1900s, and he died in 1976. But this man, he actually inherited a ton of money, and you would have thought like he would have been content with the inherited money, and it was a lot. But uh, he was asked one time, how much money does it take to make a man happy? And he just replied, just a little more. Just a little more. Um, There was a sermon talked about him years ago called Rare and Remarkable Rare and remarkable virtues. Sorry, y'all, I can't talk today. And here's what it said. All Howard Hughes ever really wanted in life was more. He wanted more money. So he parlayed inherited worth into a billion-dollar pile of assets. He wanted more fame. So he broke into the Hollywood scene and soon became a filmmaker and a star. He wanted more thrills. So he designed and built and piloted the fastest aircraft in the world. He wanted more power. So he secretly dealt political favors so skillful that actually two presidents became his pawns. All he ever wanted was more. 
But then the speaker thought about his end days, and here's what he said about when Howard Hughes was found dead. He was emaciated, colorless, with grotesque fingernails, rotting black teeth, tumors, and needle marks from his drug addiction. The conclusion was, Howard Hughes died believing the myth of more. He was grasping it more and more and more, and he was just found gross. He was literally pierced with many griefs. Like Paul says, there was literally drug needles found in his skin when they found him. Like he was pierced. The love of money, the, the, the love of the next thing, it, it twists something in us and we can never be satisfied. Socrates says, he who is not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. I mean, how many of you can say, yep, yep. Loving money sucks you down and leads you to all kinds of evil. Money itself isn't inherently evil. Did you actually hear what the guy in Ecclesiastes said? He's like, why don't I enjoy this? God gives us money to enjoy. God gives us life to enjoy. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I come to give them life and to give it to them to the full. God wants us to have a full and abundant life and he wants us to enjoy what's in front of us. But when we make that enjoyment our God and make our enjoyment our pursuit, it dethrones Jesus. It makes that enjoyment and that pursuit our God and we put it on the throne. And loving money, it just it perverts our perspective of who God is. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters in Matthew 6.24. For you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The love of money, it causes us to turn away from the faith. It becomes our pursuit. Instead of God being our pursuit, we're seeking more and more and more. And honestly, y'all, this is a little ready for a little kick in the hinder. (laughs) Loving money... And what it can get for you is almost like giving God the finger. Right? You know what it's saying to God? You won't supply my needs. You won't take care of what I want. You don't really have good plans, so I'm going to make my own. I've done it a lot. And doing that, guys, it creates a personal piercing. It causes us our own grief. Because we were not meant to be in charge of our own lives, y'all. God wants things for us, and he's got a path and a plan for us. And if we're not contented with his plan, it's just going to get us off track. And it drives us, and it pushes away those around us. Y'all, I've got people in my family, and I'm sure you do, or maybe this is even you this morning, that their pursuit of riches have cost them their kids, have cost them their marriage, have cost them their best friends, and sometimes they've even cost them their job. People who have multi-billion dollar companies, when they're like in the head spot, generally you can look at their home life and it's tragic. Because you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot pursue both 
The problem that we have is that we're impatient and we think God won't do it, so I have to. But Paul is telling Timothy, listen, we need to be content. And in another book of Paul's, when he's writing to a different church in Philippi, he says, listen, you can send money to me if you want, that's okay, but I'm not saying that because I'm in need. And what he says is, he says, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all of it through him who gives me strength. God is working in us, and we can be content when we look to him. It's good to dream. It's good to hope for the next thing, right? We can praise him now for what he's going to do in the future, but y'all, listen, we need to get determined right now in our heart to praise him right now. Hey, uh, tap your neighbor on either the shoulder or the knee, whatever, and say, right now is good. Go ahead and do it. Right now is good. Listen, um, when, when the whole COVID lockdown first happened, um, March of 20, right? Is that already? Oh, golly, Moses. Okay, we were stuck in the house, um, the six of us, and we decided to go for a walk. Brandon's like, we just have to get out of this house. And so we, um, at that point, I hadn't, I hadn't had Louise yet. It was just the three kids, so I guess it was just five of us. But Brandon was just watching our little two-year-old at that point, Caleb, just playing, having fun. And Brandon grabbed a piece of chalk from him and he got down and he wrote, right now is good. Right now is good. There's actually something beautiful about being stuck together at home. There's actually something beautiful about pausing from your regular life. And I can say right now is good. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it's good. There's something awesome about God being in the middle of it right now. All right, so let's, let's go in. Let's see, what does is, what is Paul tell Timothy? He says, but you, man of God, picking up in verse 11, flee from all this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, I'm going to summarize these kind of two passages, 11 and 12, and then 17 through 19. We're going to douse discontentment, okay? In order to douse discontentment, let's think about it this way. How many of you have seen a fire, not in a fireplace, but just an open fire? You have to watch the open fire, right? You have to keep an eye on it because if one little spurt goes elsewhere, it can become a wildfire that spreads everywhere. Guys, discontentment is just like that. It's a fire that will spread. It just keeps going. And so Paul's like, listen, you've got to be mindful of this. Watch out for discontentment. And here's three things that I'm going to say based on what Paul is talking about, we need to do. So in order to douse discontentment, we need to flee those foolish desires. We need to flee the love of money. We need to flee the love of the next thing. We need to flee the love of the next season, right? The next iPhone, the cool new shacket that I'm gonna get, or my next car that's coming out next season. We need to flee from the love of that. Because here's what it can produce. It can produce Two very scary emotions, ultimately. Number one, it can produce jealousy. 
And jealousy is just looking at what somebody else has and wanting it. But jealousy can go a step further. And I'm, I have dealt with this a lot. And I'm kind of ashamed to say it. Jealousy can turn into envy, where you actually begin to hate the person for what they have. We need to flee from those emotions. Guys, they, they trap us and it's really hard to get out. So Paul's saying, listen, flee from that. Be mindful of where your heart just goes awry and flee from it. Run away. And then he says, arm up. Follow after these things. Listen, Timothy, you, you can get stuck in that trap of discontentment, but what I need you to do, I need you to arm up. I need you to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. It's not enough just to turn your back from the discontentment. No, you have to be intentionally pursuing something else, right? And then we need to fight the good fight of faith. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. When we arm up with that righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and endurance, then we're ready to fight the good fight of faith. How many of you know that when there's a wildfire, you would be a fool to run in it unless you are armed up in the correct garb, right? Right. Do firefighters oh, like just run into a house without their gear? No. They need their oxygen. They need their covering. Why do they need that? Because they're stepping into danger. Discontentment is a danger that you need to arm up against. So in order to fight the good fight, we need to put those things on. And we need to remember, y'all, we have access to eternal life. This world is not the end. We are made for something more, right? And so we need to be mindful in the fight, our feet may be here on earth, planted on this broken planet, but we are heirs, co-heirs of Christ, and we are made for a greater kingdom that does not fall and is not broken like where we are today. All right, so that's number one. We need to douse discouragement. We gotta, we gotta keep our eye on it and put that flame out quick. But then we need to fuel contentment. And while we're talking in the fire motif, contentment is like a fireplace fire. How many of you have sat in front of a fireplace and you're just like, ah, like there's just something that it evokes, right? Like it, it brings in you this, it, this just peace and this, this gratitude and this warmth and you just feel safe, right? But how many of you know in a fireplace fire, you have to add wood to it, right? You can't just set it up once and walk away. Gratitude is the same way, or contentment is the same way. You have to add to it constantly so that it can continually be fueled. So how are we going to fuel contentment? Well, we're going to heap on gratitude. Gratitude is like the logs that we're putting on there, man. We're going to heap it on. We're going to put on praise on our lips. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In every situation, this is the amplified version, In every situation, no matter the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for you to be thankful. It is God's will for you to recognize, man, golly, I have just been blessed with a lot. Right now is good. Y'all, Paul, in a different time, he and his buddy Silas were 
imprisoned for just talking about God. Okay, the local leaders did not like that he was doing that. And so they put him and Silas in jail. And Paul and Silas, man, they were just like, okay, this is what God has for us. And so they were praying and they were praising. They were singing hymns to God. And it says that the ground shook and the doors of the prison opened up and their shackles fell off. Because listen, y'all, praise changes the atmosphere. Our contentment grows when we just have a thankful heart. And it retrains our brains. In Psalm 145, 16, it says, You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. When we put on praise on our lips, when we recognize that everything we have from God is really just providence anyway, we begin to remember, oh my goodness, God is satisfying my desires. He is enough. Author Ann Voskamp says this, gratitude is not only a response to God in good times, it's ultimately the very will of God in hard times. Gratitude isn't only a celebration when good things happen. Gratitude is a declaration that God is good no matter what happens. We need to be content in this present age with what God has given us because regardless of our circumstances, God is good. Can you guys say again, right now is good? Because God is good. There you go. All right, so we need to heap on gratitude. We need to help someone else. What did Paul tell Timothy? He said, listen, don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God. He richly provides everything for your enjoyment. Now, listen, be good. Be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. Listen, I, Brandon and me, we have been in a season of lack, in a crazy season of lack. When we first had Ellie, our family income was only $12,000. As a family of three, we had only $12,000 and we live in an apartment by ourselves. I get a season of lack. Like, I don't even know how we survived those days. What I'm trying to say to you, though, is God is good. And in those days, I totally lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? Help someone else. That's right. I'm getting there, y'all. It's coming. Help someone else. There were times where all that we had was spaghetti. And we would like make that stretch, y'all. We would like one pound of meat with tons of tomatoes and like four noodles a piece so that we could last an entire week with just one packet spaghetti. Okay, you get the point. But we would still have people over. And then there were lots of people in our life. Guys, randomly, an envelope would be on our deck with exactly the amount of money that we needed to make the next bill. In those days, we didn't have a lot, but the fact that we had an apartment that we had food to eat, y'all, we're actually in the top 5% of the richest people in the world. In the world. If you have a car, you are bougie rich, okay? Listen, you have so much more than the rest of the world has. It's insane. God has gifted you just by being born in America, y'all. We have so much more than we ever really need. And so you may say, okay, Paul, hey, command those who are rich to be good, to like do good deeds, to share with others. I'm not rich. You are. You are. 
Whatever you have, God has given you in abundance in whatever that is. Even if it's just like the widow with two mites, you give and you help someone else. And I promise you, as you give out of your lack, you are going to find that the Lord blows out the doors and he brings more into your storehouse because you recognize anything that I have is his anyway, right? So help someone else. We need to commune instead of just consume. We need to make sure that we're serving others, getting our eyes off of ourselves. And when we do that, y'all, that is definitely going to fuel contentment. We're going to recognize, oh golly, I have a lot more than I even thought I did. And then finally, I'm almost done, y'all, I promise. Here we go. We need to gaze at God. If we want to fuel contentment, we need a right understanding of who he is. The psalmist in Psalm 8 says, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Now, let's pause here for a second. He's recognizing, cut your glory is like even farther beyond what I can see in the sky. And today, you and I have access to telescopes and all these like ridiculous images that are way even beyond our atmosphere. And God's glory is even beyond that. Here's what he says. From the mouths of children and infants, you have ordained praise on account of your adversaries to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers. I mean, God, you made the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care of him? Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When we begin to look at the grandeur of God and what he has created, the works of his hands, it just begins to boil down and we go, oh yeah, God, like, you're enough. I, whatever I have, I can be content. You've given me the clothes on my back. You've given me the food that I eat. You've given me everything that I have that's in front of me. Yeah, I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to learn to be content. I'm going to lean into all of who you are and trust that you're going to do everything that I need you to do. It may not be everything that I want and I desire, but I'm going to choose to love you instead of love money and that striving for what's next. Jesus is the only thing that will actually satisfy the longing of our hearts. C.S. Lewis, famous author, says, if I find in myself desires that nothing in this world could satisfy, well, the only logical explanation is that I was not made for here. I was made for another world. Y'all, we need to, like Paul said, take hold of the life that is truly life. We're just aliens here on this planet and discontentment runs rampant all around us but let's be people who focus on God who gaze on him and go I'm just going to be content with you you're enough for me the circumstances all around me don't have to be perfect but I'm going to lean in contentment isn't a I don't care it's fine I'm fine everything's fine okay it's everything that I have is from God and it's good right now is good and I'm going to trust him now and I'm going to trust him later
you guys pray with me? God, I'm going to ask a bold prayer right now. Would you wrestle us to the ground with our discontentment? Holy Spirit, would you point out the places in our hearts that we have sought things more than we've sought you? And then God, by your grace, would you show us how to douse that discontentment? And maybe that's going to take some action steps. Maybe that's going to take actually putting our money where our mouth is and actually giving it to someone else to serve someone else. Maybe that's going to take walking away from a job that is actually pulling our hearts away from you and our family and our friends. Maybe that's going to look like putting our money in a savings account instead of just spending it every chance we get. And then God, I pray that you would fuel our contentment. Lord, that we would be a people who would praise you for everything that we have. Lord, that we would recognize that everything is a gift from you. And it's all just your providence anyway. There's nothing that we have that we amassed by our own works. It's all just your grace that we have any of it anyway. Cause us to grow in contentment and to seek your face to gaze on your beauty. You are enough for us, King Jesus. Right now is good. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.